The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the sponsor, Reentry Alliance Pensacola. You are love. Good morning. You're listening to the Pensacola Expert Panel. I'm Jenna Barr. Thank you for being with us this morning. I'm very excited to hop right into this conversation. Reentry Alliance Pensacola. And I want to just go ahead and first introduce, we have Executive Director Vinnie Wibbs. Good morning. Good morning, Jenna. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm excited. We're going to get to know you a little bit better as well as REAP. And we also have Rich Lynch. You are the Director of Operations for REAP. Good morning, Jenna. Good morning. So let's hop into it um, right away. But before we get to REAP, I want, uh, Vinnie, tell me, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Uh, I've been with REAP for right now, almost uh, nine years. Uh, I came, uh, I'd been practicing law before that, and then, of course, I spent a long time uh, uh, in the automobile business, uh, but I, I really feel like I, I found my calling, and I, I love like, what I'm doing. I uh, love it's that. It's a way really to get, give back to the community, and, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's been an opportunity for me to, uh, uh, to serve the community and, and to uh, you know, make amends and do things like that that are important. That's so good. And we're going to learn more about REAP. But uh, Rich, tell me about yourself, how you got involved in becoming the director of operations for REAP. Uh, well, I started with REAP about 14 months ago. Um, I started at the Women's and Children's Shelter. And then um, Vinny moved me over to the director of operations, which now I run the REAP houses for the previously incarcerated people. Awesome. And we're going to learn more about that program. Okay, so let's hop right in. Uh, Vinny, tell me what and who REAP is. Well, REAP was, uh, Jenna, REAP was uh, formed uh, about uh, almost 10 years ago uh, by Chief Judge uh, Casey Rogers. She was looking to uh, to start a mentoring program for the, uh, for the individuals that had been appearing before her court. And uh, so she recruited a number of uh, practicing attorneys to act as mentors for those individuals. And uh, over a period of about a year and a half, uh, it expanded uh, beyond just working with uh, federal uh, probationers and parolees to, uh, uh, to uh, working with individuals that have been returning from incarceration uh, from state prisons. Wow. That's, that's a heavy topic to even touch because i know a lot of people want to just give up on individuals who have been formerly incarcerated i think one of the things we have to recognize is right now that that there's at any given time there's about a uh, over a million people that are incarcerated in the united states there's over a hundred thousand that are that are incarcerated in the state of florida in Mm -hmm. state prisons and if you added individuals that were in in county jails and, and and other programs like that uh that's a tremendous amount of people, and most of those people will be returning to the community, and they're getting out, and uh, the goal should be to make sure that when they get out, uh, they leave a, uh, a crime-free uh, uh, life, that they uh, are participants in the community and uh, you know, are, end up being good citizens, and that's kind of what REAP is all about. 
So what happens in, in just comparing differences with, um, let's say, let's let's talk men first. Somebody who, um, it doesn't have to be any specific reason why they were incarcerated, but they are now getting out and re-entering into society. Uh, I can imagine there are roadblocks and, um, you know, parole, all different things. So what happens when an an individual is released and doesn't have this help versus somebody who does? Um, Well, REAP, we have um, case managers that work with all the individuals. We help them get social security cards, social security benefits if they're eligible, IDs, employment. We provide housing. We give them that first step, that that base that they need to to go from being in prison to being a productive member of society. Jenna, when, when, when most of the people get released from a state prison, they walk out of there with not much more than the, uh, the, the clothes on their back. Uh, they'll end up with maybe a $50 certificate, uh, debit card or something. Uh, but they don't have a place to go. They don't have a home. They don't have a car. They don't have a license. Most times they don't have an identity, mm-hmm. and, and yet then we expect them to leave those productive lives. And, and if someone isn't there to help them, and it can be family members or it can be friends, it can be organizations such as REAP that can stand in and say, let's help you to the next step. And that's kind of what the program is all about. And here's a, a question I want to throw in here for you, uh, Vinny and, and Rich. What do you say to people who go, oh, you're crazy. Those people don't deserve a second chance. I'm glad you asked that because uh, in our program right now, uh, since, since the uh, beginning of it, we've worked with uh, over now over 1,250 uh, men and women that have been returning from incarceration. And uh, right now, we, we have about a 90% success rate. When I say that, uh, the typical configuration is uh, they want to know what the recidivist rate is. And the uh, recidivist rate probably throughout the country is, is better than, uh, higher than 40%, which means that, you know, at least 4 out of 10 people will be t- returning to some kind of incarceration. Ours is less than 10%. Wow. And, and uh, it's, it's because of the people that we are working with and uh, – the case managers and and the community that supports it you've got to you got to be there to help them and uh, so you end up with the right kind of programs and and you start out and you have to address the immediate needs and I'm thinking like and one of the things that that Rich Rich is primarily responsible for we uh, we have houses that are specifically de- dedicated to some houses for men we have houses for women and talk about that Rich um, we we currently have ten houses seven for men three for women. Um, we have a woman's case manager that takes care of the three houses for women. We have two case managers for the men's houses. And uh, right now we have roughly around 60 to 65 men and about 12 to 14 women that we're currently housing in those houses. Um, we provide all the amenities, electric water and all that stuff, and they, we get them jobs through the case manager, and they, they start their lives from there. And, and move on. And before, and sorry to interrupt, before we talk about who qualifies for the REAP program within those housing and then moving in, into the reentry part, um, what happens? Is there counseling, um, you know, like daily activities that happen too to just kind of help with that? I can imagine the mental strain that yeah. happens too. Each person has identified um, their different needs, so our case managers work with them to get them those services that they need. 
if they need counseling, we set that up. We help them get to it. Um, medical appointments, whatever they need, we try to help facilitate all those. Jen, on the first uh, three or four days after a person is released, we found to be very critical. And, and for the most part, we're picking these people up uh, either at the, at the front gate where they've been incarcerated or more frequently uh, at, the, at the local bus stop. And you pick them up, and, and then you take them. And those people have to register with the with the sheriff's department, but they don't have transportation. So you, you start meeting their immediate needs. And so we focus on uh, on getting them registered. Uh, then we, we get them into a place to stay. And when we do that, it's one of our houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're providing uh, bedding and emergency clothing kind of deal, uh, uh, temporary food. Uh, then they start meeting with their their like their case manager. Uh, and and you actually do, but well, we have a pretty formalized needs assessment, where you say, you know, what are the things that you have, and what are the things that you don't have, and for the most part, they all start out the same way. Uh, I haven't got very much at all, and I need yeah. help and everything. Uh, and it's true for both men and for women. Now, we've been we've been working with women, uh, I guess now for about five years, uh, and uh, uh, their needs are almost almost the same. They come out and uh, uh, they need that help, and they need that helping hand. To be able to succeed, and, and as long as you provide them or help them get the help that they need, most of them will succeed, and that's the exciting part about our job. That's very cool. That's very encouraging. People deserve a second chance. A lot of many people make mistakes. Um, everybody makes mistakes, and some are more detrimental. But there's always second chances. And if you're just tuning in, I'm Jenna Barr. This is the Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3. I have Vinnie Wibbs with me, Executive Director, and Rich Lynch, Director of Operations for REAP, which stands for Reentry Alliance Pensacola. We're discussing um, pretty much everything that falls under the umbrella of REAP. I want to talk about who qualifies for the program. Um, usually we work with the, um, the Department of Corrections for the state of Florida, and most of those, um, those are the ones that qualify. We do take other people from federal or county, but that's on a case-by-case basis. But primarily we work with the Department of Corrections in Florida. Uh, a, a major source of, uh, of our funding of our program actually comes from the Florida Department of Corrections. Uh, and so they're, they're providing uh, uh, the wherewithal to, to do those needs assessments and to address those needs, and uh, they provide uh, some of the funding for the, uh, for the houses. Not everyone that comes to our program, uh, to the REAP program, uh, lives in our house. We have at any given time, we have about 14, 15, maybe as many as 20 at any yeah. one time okay. uh, that, that are living with family, relatives, or something like that. Okay, very interesting. And so there are partnerships, obviously, through law enforcement as well. Um, and like you said, the director of correct, uh, uh, Department of Corrections. So I can imagine there's a lot of guidelines to follow, which puts some pressure on you to make sure that um, everything that you're doing is keeping everyone safe as well um, and making it a successful program, which like you said, Vinny, it has been. I mean, that's incredible. And the statistics of being 90% successful, that's that's amazing. That really is. Um, I want to talk about. Um, well, we did cover it a little bit for. So I want to before I want to circle back around um, the to the impact on the community and so the benefits of reap that is impacting the community. Okay, uh, if if we look at it this way, right right now, uh, and, and we mentioned uh, the state of, state of Florida having like a over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. people that are incarcerated. Well, there's a cost to that incarceration. And that, that, that cost uh, 
probably is in, in the neighborhood of about $75 a day per person, per day kind of a deal. And uh, uh, Scambia County and San Jose County are facing the same thing. They've got their, their county jail operations, and, I mean, it is a tremendous burden for the taxpayers. And so uh, the goal should be uh, let's, let's, uh, we have an individual that, that has been justice-involved. How do we get them from being justice-involved to being a uh, productive citizen? Mm-hmm. And, and if you can do that, uh, with a, a high degree of success, uh, you are literally saving a, an awful lot of money. And I'm talking about in Escambia County, it's millions of dollars yeah. that, that would otherwise have been spent on incarceration. Uh, you can't you can't put a dollar value uh, on the value to having a a, a man with uh, supporting his 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 family uh, after he being incarcerated, he comes out and he gets a good job and can be supporting. He's paying taxes. He's uh, being a, a good parent. Same is true for women. You know, they're with that family and, and, and they're providing the kind of uh, support for family members that you need to do. Yeah, and like you just mentioned, there are um, programs and shelters for women as well as men. And I don't know if I ask this yet, so forgive me. Um, is there a shelter for women who also have children who are handling that? I'm going yes. to let Rich talk okay, that Rich, because go for he it. did that for about a year. Yeah, in September of 2021, we uh, we opened up the Women's and Children's Shelter over um, right, right off the backside of the Salvation Army. We rent their facility. Um, they accept women and single women and single women with children and um the children boys up to the age of 12 girls any age and and as long as there's room they're welcome to stay there we provide a dinner meal we ha- we also have case managers there that help them find jobs get all their identification sign up for whatever benefits medical and we have uh, we've teamed up with community northwest florida and they come in once a week and enroll people into the healthcare mm. to help that. And then we had a dental van come by and take care of the kids' teeth. So we have uh, partnerships with other organizations. Bright Bridges Ministries, they provide our dinners. So they cater, they bring the meals in every night at five o'clock. And so. One of, one of the important things, Jenna, about, about rape is that we have found over the last eight or nine years that you've, you've, you've got to work very cooperatively. Uh, you have to collaborate with, with all of the the wonderful other service providers and, and as, as rich mentioned yeah uh, we're constantly turning uh, working with community health organizations uh, uh waterfront rescue mission is a regular regular partner we're sitting there uh, almost every single day you're talking about uh, providers in the area that are working with you or referring people to you or you're referring people back to them so it's a uh, it really is a community-wide effort and and uh, you know, they, they talk uh, far too frequently about the, the concept that it takes a, a community to uh, uh, raise a child. Well, the reality mm-hmm. is that it takes a community to solve some kind of problems. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. We have to address them, and that's uh, as long as we're all working together, uh, we can all benefit from it. Hey, question for you, Rich, real quick. Um, how long is uh, somebody in the shelters or the program, Is or is it long-term term contact with case managers kind of just frame that real quick how that works um, there's no real set time limit it's case by case so um, they work with the case managers they develop a case plan and then based on that they follow the plan and you know it's it's more of a transitional housing more than a an emergency shelter is what we like to think of it as we don't we don't want to have anybody just not living in 
living on the streets so they can come and stay as long as they're following the, the, the rules and the guidelines and the case plan and trying to improve themselves, then they're welcome to stay there as long as it takes because everyone's different. Okay. I, I think that, that statement, as long as it takes, is probably the, the best uh, way to describe uh, the period of time. It, there are all, the, all the programs that we do are transitional. We know where we're starting and we know where we'd like them to end up. But sometimes uh, it only takes uh, maybe maybe 10 days for a person to get back, reestablish the, the relationship that he has with his family and his friends yeah. and be able to move out. And, and, and I think perhaps the longest person we've got has been there almost uh, three and a half years. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's a range. Everybody's Because different. of the limits of facilities, yep. I mean, you have to continue moving people through the, through of the course. process. Of course. Uh, and so, I mean, the goal is to make, be making those transitions. Yes. Absolutely. I know that um, we just have a couple of minutes left. We have about five minutes left here on Pep Talk with Reentry Alliance, Pensacola, uh, Vinny and Rich. This is incredible work that you are doing. So first of all, thank you before I continue into asking more questions. Um, I know that you said you started in 2013, which means that in 2023, um, which I still can't believe we're even saying that, you're going to be celebrating 10 years is there anything special coming up for that well we're, we're just frankly we're just in the process of, of getting geared up for that we have expanded over in the last year we've really expanded uh, the services that we have been providing uh, to include not only people that are previously incarcerated uh, but but now addressing more of the needs of the homeless within our community and uh, uh, so so the uh, the women and sh- uh, children's shelter that rich talked about yes. Uh, that's been open for about a year now, uh, and we're just in the process of opening. Uh, we had a ribbon cutting, I guess, about three weeks ago for the Maxwell Respite Center uh, on North Palafox, uh, which will, which is going to be a facility that has uh, will house about 65 people uh, in, in, in the about 40 different individual rooms. Uh, all of our programs have, have the case managers, uh, uh, the people that are, you know, designed to help these people make their transition so um again, that's incredible those programs are ongoing right now continuing to move forward continuing to see the needs in the community like you like you mentioned there's can, there's always a need um right. also let's talk about the needs when it comes to um less fortunate children in the greater pensacola area go ahead rich you want to? um well at, at the shelter last year for christmas we spent um we had volunteers and other uh, community partners bring in Christmas presents. We had a Santa Claus for the kids. Um, so we, we tried to make it a, a special day. Um, some of our partners brought in presents to give to the mom so that they could give to the children. So we try to take um, all of these events. School, we had a bunch of people donate school supplies and school clothes for the kids. So taking care of the children in our shelter is one of our priorities. Yeah. And then um, the respite center, I'm sure, is going to follow suit by taking care of all the children that they serve. That's incredible. The respite care in this area is very much so needed. So I just love that idea. I love that you can serve up to 65 individuals at a time. That's that's overwhelming um, and exciting at the same time. Yeah, let me just, kind of, as you talk about the, the need and and over the last several years uh, i guess a combination of the uh the, the covid everything else that's going yes. on uh, it's really affecting uh, the demands of the number of people that really need that help 
And so it's a ex- constantly expanding group of people that we need to serve. Yes, sir, it is. Um, before we kind of wrap things up here this morning over the next minute or so, um, what do you say to our community that is tuning in right now or later listening on our podcast that says, why should we get involved and how do we get involved? All right, well, let me, let me, let me take that just right off, right off the bat. Uh, uh, there, there is a need for these individuals. Uh, maybe they've been justice involved. Maybe, maybe they've been homeless because of a particular circumstance over which they didn't have any control, and they need a little, need a little bit of help. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, the way that we can help our community and make a better community and make it a better place for all of us to live yes, is to make sure that we are, we are, we are working with uh, the less fortunate, the people that need that, that, that hand up, uh, not a handout kind of a deal. And so uh, that's, that, that's the process. And, and the exciting part is that we see it work on a regular basis. Uh, we've seen people that have gone through our program, uh, through a, like a rapid rehousing program. We get them uh, from living on, on the park benches or in the storefronts. We get them into a, a transitional uh, facility like, like the respite center or uh, uh, like the lodges. Uh, and then uh, through the case management, we get them qualified so they can move into permanent supportive housing. And that's what we all want. So as we wrap up this morning, our time is just about up. If you would like to contact uh, REAP, please today, you can go and email inquiries at reapreentry.org, or you can go online to give and get more information about this Florida-based 501c3 right here in the beautiful city of Pensacola, www.reapreentry.org. Or if you text in to our text line, I'll send you all the information to get involved today. Vinny, Rich, thank you for everything you do for our community. Um, I'm excited to hear all of the progress in the future. Thank you very much, Dennis. Thank you. We want you to know how much we appreciate Captain. Thank you.